When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. and <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide DeleteMe with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have DeleteMe. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. DeleteMe is not just a one-time service. DeleteMe is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. The average football player makes $2.7 million with a minimum one-year contract of $480,000, according to the collective bargaining agreement the NFL signed in 2011. So how did Jedediah Collins, a seven-year NFL veteran with nine different teams, go from running the ball on the field to educating millions about personal finance and writing his first book, Your Money Vehicle? Well, you're going to hear his story and learn the money lessons Jed says you need to master right in this episode. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna. Money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. I am a sports junkie. There, I said it. (laughs) I was born in Indiana, which makes me a Hoosier. Plus, I also went to Indiana University, and my parents have had Notre Dame season football tickets from the 60s. So you can kind of say that sports runs in the family. We love all things college sports and are big LA Laker fans and watch football. My husband's a big Dallas Cowboy fans. So yeah, we like sports. In fact, in college, I started out with a major in sports marketing and really wanted to be the next Hannah Storm. If you know anything about sports, you probably know who Hannah Storm is. But then I had to dissect things in my kinesiology class and I just, I chickened out. I thought like, what does dissecting a frog have to do with me being a sports broadcaster? 
And of course, now I'm a podcaster. So it's a really interesting, my career is really fascinating to, to dissect in itself. Anyway, I was giddy to talk to Jed about two of my loves, sports and money. His story is so powerful. He knew he would never be one of those guys who got a huge contract and that at any point he could get injured or cut and that paycheck and career would just vanish as fast as it came. So he actually studied for his certified financial planner exam and certification while he was in the off seasons of NFL. I mean, who who does that, right? So let's do a virtual wave and welcome Jed to the show. So Jedediah, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. We're talking about two of my favorite subjects, sports and finances. And those are kind of weird, weird subjects to put together, <laughs> but we're going to do it today. We're going to try. Um, and it's, it is a, a weird combination of passions around football and finances, but, uh, it's been a very good journey. And I've been amazed at how translatable the two worlds actually are. Yeah, you know, I I've thought about that a lot being a, being a sports fan and for people who don't know, you spent it, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but 7 years in the NFL, you're with mm-hmm. nine different teams. Uh you were with the New York New Orleans Saints from 2011-2013. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm really curious. I obviously want to talk about this transition from NFL to financial planning, but first I just want to go back to football. Uh <laughs> Did you always know you wanted to be in the NFL? Well, actually, no. So I grew up in a basketball family. Um, both my brothers and my father are about six five, six six, but where they were about 200, 205 pounds, I was six one and 240. Uh, so <laughs> uh, very quickly, my high school coach sat me down and was like, where exactly do you think you're going for basketball? Um, but and the NFL was never a dream of mine. Even up through my senior year of college, uh, I remember very vividly a scout coming and I met him in the elevator coincidentally. And he said he was there to see me. Um, and that was the first time it really started to come onto my radar. I was getting my GMAT and studying to go get my CPA to become a, a public accountant, which. Wow. Yeah. I'm happy the, the football thing works out. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Right. Yeah. That's it's just so fascinating to hear, I think, people's road sometimes, especially to the careers they're in and then just even the bobbing and weaving, Mm because I think sometimes we think we have to just be one thing. We have to fit in one box. And that's something I've struggled with a lot in my life and and really have tried to tell people like, no, that's not the case. Like we're so multidimensional. Why not be all those dimensions? Yeah. And I see, I love that. And truly, I look at it and I say, one of the the failures of our society is we tell young athletes at 9, 10, 11 years old, just be that one thing. Go, you know, see ball, get ball. This is the only thing you're going to have to be able to do good. And that leads to a systemic issue that professional athletes, you know, no surprise, are not capturing the dream we grew up chasing on a playground, whether it was NFL, NBA, MLB. B, MLS, whatever it was, the idea of becoming a professional athlete, competing against the best in the world and, and earning a lifestyle that depicts your time and effort is really gone. And it's gone because of the second passion that we both share uh, around money and around educating yourself around money. So I look at this one thing dynamic and there is a purity to it. And there are definitely places where you need to be able to focus. But one of my greatest gifts is I was cut a dozen times and that really showed me and taught me that there has to be more to me than one thing. Mm, that's, yeah. I mean, that's such a great lesson to, to share. I'm kind of curious, like along that same train of thought, are there any like misconceptions about being a sports player? Maybe even particularly as it, as it uh, pertains to money that, that mm-hmm. you could talk about. I've actually written into the New York Times. The, the first misconception comes with your first contract. Uh, every year we announce, you know, so-and-so got drafted and made a $40 million contract. And that's just not the truth. And yet a player after player reads those headlines and goes out and spends their money like they have $40 million. Now it ends up they have 
20, 22 million dollars, which is still a <laughs> still ton good, of still money. <laughs> but if you're spending like you have your gross income, not your net income, you're not only going to go broke, you're going to be in serious debt. Um, so there are a lot of misconceptions around players and, and their money. One, I really emphasize with with guys I talk to, I get to talk to a lot of professional athletes now is around tickets. Um, you look at your family and these people who have been on this journey with you and you want nothing more to share this experience with them. But as you look at NFL tickets week in, week out, many multiple people coming to each game, you could quickly spend twenty, twenty five thousand dollars in a season on tickets alone uh, without really batting an eye. And that is a. Uh, your heart is in the right place, but your plan is not functioning the way it should be. And one of the first things I, I really try to get players to identify is what is the percentage? What is the amount of money you're willing to give to others to share? That is the number you're really going to have to to understand and to hold firm on because there's always going to be more people who want more. Mm, yeah. I mean, there's so many things that us from the outside don't think about. We see those big numbers and we think, they're fine. oh my gosh, yeah, of yeah. course, they're fine. And there's so many stories. I know, correct me again if I get this wrong, but in, in the NFL, if you get injured or you can't play, does that mean you, you don't get your paycheck or how does that work? I thought it worked a little different in the NFL than maybe other pro sports. Yeah, that's why people love it so much is it is a, a pay per play type of performance. Um, so in the NFL, if you are cut, you don't get a check that week. And if you get hurt and you go on a different list called injured reserve, your contract typically for the majority of guys is cut in half. So if you were making 500 grand, you make 250, which again, to the average person, you say, well, $250,000 is still more money than I'm going to make in three years. But the reality is, you know, with again, with taxes, with lifestyles, with just the common term of we have three to five years to maximize the highest potential of our lifetime earnings. That is a challenging thing when, yeah, an ankle injury can knock you out and not only cut your this year's salary in half, but somebody else replaces you and you're now behind them in the line for next year's team. And it's that competitive. I mean, the greatest example is Tom Brady got a job 20 years ago because Drew Bledsoe, yeah. go, go Cougs, I'm a, a Washington State <laughs> alum, uh, he got hurt and he never got his job back. And so you, you that's just the name of the game. So you, you know, I, I think more so than ever, we look at pro sport athletes and we think, yeah, they're making these millions, everything's great. But like what we don't think about is, and, and this goes for all of us, but I'm just using the sport example is if you get injured or maybe you're seriously injured and you can't do a lot of things after mm -hmm. your pro career, you have to figure out how to stretch that money for potentially your lifetime or or long enough until you do something else and probably a lot of pro athletes are used to living at a higher higher standard of living so you know there's a little bit of a disconnect between I'm injured now I'm not getting that paycheck versus you know I I'm on the yacht I'm I'm in my yeah. private jet whatever that may be the the reality is we retire in our 20s and the moment you retire you are now breaking the golden rule. You are now spending more than you make because you make zero. Right. Uh, and that is, it is a weird feeling in the transition because you're not only searching for a job, you're searching for your life's purpose as well because this thing you've been committed to for a decade is now gone. I mean, take a doctor in their 40s and say, you can't be a doctor anymore. They're gonna have a, a transition. They're gonna have a little soul search. Um, and really at the end of the day, you don't have the education around money to understand how it works, but the only thing that you can feel from the old life, from the spotlight, is your the, the spend. That is how you get to taste kind of that old world. And that's why a lot of guys in their first, second, third year out, they end up on financial hardships because they're trying to still uh, give this illusion that they're still that guy. And the reality is, and one of the hardest things you have to accept in the transition is nobody's going to clap for you anymore. You're, you're not <laughs> that guy. Uh, you, you go sit in a corporate room and, uh, you know, nobody applauds and gives you a slap on the butt and says, good job. It's, just go to work and humble yourself. I, I remember very vividly a, a question they asked on one of the dozen teams I was on was, 
after your football career, what do you think you will make? And they actually handed out surveys. There was a couple other questions on it, but it was over $500,000, between two fifty and five hundred, dollars between one fifty and two fifty, dollars or under one hundred and fifty. dollars and there was 62 guys in the room and two wrote in under $150,000. And <laughs> I was one of those two. And I was the one studying for my CFP. And I looked around. I was just like, you guys are in for a rude awakening. Uh, but when your first your first contract, your first job pays you a half a million or $5 million, it is really hard to think I'm going to have to go work my butt off for $64,000. Yeah, wow, that's so interesting. I I'm curious what because you spend a lot of time obviously teaching and working with pro sports players, like what's the level of financial understanding with pro players? Is it just my job is to go out and play the sport and then somebody else is supposed to take care of this or is there a, a, an awakening point where some people are like, "Oh, I I really have to learn how to do this stuff." More and more athletes are awakening. I think uh, athletics in the last few years, five years and going forward will be the new frontier and the new wave of wealth because the modern day athlete wants to be defined as more than just their game. Um, and so as you as you look at this awakening, it's really an identification with what your relationship with money has been. I would say 70 percent of the league comes from upbringings where a thousand dollars is more money than they've ever seen. So if they look at their bank account and see a hundred grand, they are, they have no financial concerns. And even myself, I was an accounting major. I got a business degree. I grew up in Orange County. You know, we weren't the wealthy family, but we were around it. I had no idea about how money works. My father was a lawyer and he still to this day doesn't know and doesn't care. Um, and so I look at the, the, the financial education side of it. And we really need to push athletes to start to see money as a verb, as as their employee. And we are all programmed as people to be spenders. Money comes in, money goes out. My first paycheck, I'm ashamed and proud to admit, it came in and it went out the door in the same day. Uh, and it wasn't until I forced myself to become a saver. And then you go and read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and you got introduced to the investor mindset, and you start to see money through a different time lens. And so that is the challenge to a 22-year-old professional athlete is, sure, you have a million dollars today, but there is a big, big difference between being rich and being wealthy. And that is one of the kind of dream mystiques I really tried to emphasize around that education. So many good points in there. So I'm curious, like, when did you start? If you if you didn't grow up uh, having these conversations around money, mm -hmm. when did you make that shift, or how did that shift happen for you, where you thought, okay, I I need, I need to figure this out, and and more than that, like, I really want to do this as a career. So it started with that first paycheck. I got activated my rookie year with the Cleveland Browns. I was active for two games and I got my first big paycheck. It ended up being after taxes about $30,000. And uh, the vast majority of that went to buying an engagement ring. Um, ah. I, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, I will say my wife and I are happily married after good, 10 good. years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell her to this day, it was a poor choice. It was a very <laughs> poor decision. Um, and so I woke up, you know, a day or two after that, actually in sweats and knots and understanding the physical toll the game was going to put on my body and realizing I wasn't going to be able to leave the game. I was never going to be the mega million dollar contract guy. I wasn't going to be able to walk out of the locker room with any financial foundation to support for it if my money was just going to come in and go out. Um, and so that day, I actually drove to Barnes & Noble, which for listeners who don't know what Barnes & Noble is, it was a, <laughs> it was a, a bookstore, which bookstores for these places you walked in. It's a long story. Uh, but I went to a Barnes & Noble and I, I got Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And actually that afternoon, I started reading it and I wrote a letter to myself that if I could fulfill a dream, it would be to come back and teach pro athletes uh, and write the, the updated Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is what I tried to do. 
I mean, that sounds like an amazing goal to pick up a book and have it like have that sort of impact on you. I mean, I know that book has had a big impact on a lot of people mm-hmm. and I highly suggest anybody read it yeah. uh, no matter what, I, because there's so many good life lessons. There is. I criticize it in one way. Looking back on it now, it introduces you to a philosophical world that w- many people are not accustomed to, which is the investor mindset. But it doesn't tell you what to go do. And so what I really try to begin in this Your Money Vehicle workbook is how could I educate you like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but how could I give you clear action items to begin your personal plane and your journey? Um, but yes, that it was probably the most fulfilling day I've had in a long day, a long time was a few weeks ago where when my book got published, I sat amongst the bestsellers list in between Robert Kiyosaki and Susie Orman. Yes. And I, I took a picture of it and I was just like, this is it. Like I, I've read multiple books by both of these cats. Uh, and so it was just a really surreal moment. That is quite an achievement, I will say for sure. So like pro player or not pro player, what are some of the, in your opinion, like the biggest money lessons that you think people need to know about, particularly if maybe they're not going to get a $20 million contract or a $40 mm-hmm. million contract? Like what are some of those those action items that people can start doing right now to get themselves in a better situation? So uh, let me be clear. The book is not written for NFL players. Can they read it and get as much out of it as the next person? Absolutely. The book is intended for millennials, is intended for young professionals and young earners looking to begin their financial journey, looking for 10 different questions and 10 different facets around money that I now as a certified financial planner, I've created enough wealthy plans that I started to identify what are the basis, what are the roots and the foundations we need to build upon. Obviously, number one is a cash management system. I don't use the word budget. I think the word budget is limiting and is is a mindset I don't like because it controls you. I like the idea of cash management because I control that and I'm empowered by that. And with this system, a very quick five choices around every dollar you make, it will always put you in the right direction and it will eliminate the stress that money puts on you on a daily basis. It doesn't remove stress completely, but it definitely gives you a system and a prioritization. That begins with, you know, the age old adage, pay yourself first. And it's, I made a dollar, I saved a dime. So 10% is going to go to your future self. A quarter goes to society. We all belong to a a beautiful American system and society. And 25% is going to end up going to your taxes. 30% for most young professionals is going to go to past choices. Those are anything due before the first of the month. That is your debts and your bills. And we can talk specifically about prioritizing your debts, but 30% is going to go to that bucket. And then I ask people to just give me a penny for your thoughts. You go into your compassion bucket and you put 1% of your paycheck into giving a person, a place, or a, a, a cause that you're supporting. And that actually is the bucket where science is telling us you're going to get the most joy and fulfillment. And so you put 1% there. And if you automate these choices, you end up in the present day choice bucket that gets you from the first to the 30th of the month and how you're spending money on a daily basis. And you get to use that money happily and you get to enjoy it because all your other decisions have been made for you. Um, and so that's a, a sequence that I really love to introduce people to because I am not the Microsoft Excel show me every dollar and dime I've I've made kind of person. I don't want money to control me that way. I love showing people that money is a verb and money is a vehicle. Money is something that you use. It doesn't use you. And with the money bucket system, I get to show people how to categorize their life and be able to set up a a program that will get them headed in the right direction. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is 
I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey, my name's Otis Gray, host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club. Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. 
Subscribe to The Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in The Daily Book Club. It's Tuesday, and that means we have another Ask Shauna from Jackie. Jackie says, Hi, Shauna. I've been a long-term listener to the podcast. The episodes have helped me stay on track financially. Right now, I'm working on paying off my student loans and some credit card debt I racked up in my 20s. My question is, should I take advantage of the interest freeze on student loans by putting my loans in forbearance and then taking the payments I would make for my student loans and applying them to my much higher interest rate credit card? What are the downsides of forbearance in this case? Will it hurt my credit score? I'm a teacher who is now working remotely. I will continue to get paid no matter what. Is there a way I can take advantage of these coronavirus lemons and make some lemonade? Jackie, I love that. Make some coronavirus lemonade. That is like so fantastic. Because yes, I think we can all use this time to really make some lemonade out of these crazy lemons that we have all across the world being given. So let's go over a couple things. My first question to you is, do you have federal loans? I'm assuming the answer is yes, but let's just do a little kind of like lay of the land. So for Americans paying federal student loans, the new CARE Act, the Legislative Economic Relief Plan that was signed, is going to make some changes to required payments, including reducing interest rates to 0% temporarily. And it's also going to be doing it automatically. It's going to automatically put payments on pause through the end of September 2020. This will happen automatically. Now, if you want to still pay your federal student loan, you need to call your student loan servicing company and you need to request that they continue to withdraw payments. If you don't do that, it's going to automatically go into this forbearance stage, I guess we're calling it, till September, the end of September 2020. Now, if you have private student loans, unfortunately, the CARE Act does not cover private loans. So if you have a private loan, if you refinance your student loan off from a federal loan onto a private loan, you're unfortunately stuck making that payment and the normal ordinary rules still apply to you. That's really one of the downsides of refinancing your student loans is that you move off from federal to private loans. And obviously, in a situation like this, if you actually needed the money, then you would still need to make your payments. So just just a little like food for thought. So since all student loan interest rates have been lowered to basically 0% through September, if you do go ahead and make payments, any payments you make will go directly to the principal on the loan. After interest rates resume on September 30th, 2020, according to the law right now, You might be able to pay less in interest if you've lowered your principal balance by paying more now. So there is a plus side to paying more now, but I'm in the camp of if you can use the money towards other things or you need the money right now, why not take advantage of this? Another thing to note, the U.S. Department of Education is actually making refunds available for anyone who made a payment since this forbearance period, the forbearance period, that's what I'm trying to say went into effect on March 13th. So that will apparently be automatically put back into your bank account. None of this, Jackie, will hurt your credit score. So again, like why not take advantage of this if you have that higher interest rate debt? Take that money, put it towards paying off the higher interest credit cards and really knock those down. Also see if you can Maybe move your credit card debt onto a card with either a lower interest rate or you can call the credit card company now that interest rates have been lowered again and see if there's any way to lower the interest rate on your credit card. That just means the more money you pay towards it, the faster it's going to get paid off. So I'm a big fan of this really hasn't happened in our modern day history where Student loans have gone on forbearance for six months automatically at 0% interest. So if you need that cash or you have higher interest rate debt and you want to throw that cash for six months on that debt to try and get that paid off, why not? I would totally take advantage of that. So hopefully, Jackie, this has helped you out some. I know there are a lot of questions. I know this is a confusing time. 
If you've got an Ask Sean, I want to hear from you. You can totally let me know that you want to keep it anonymous. Head on over to our website, mmoneypodcast.com. Right on the homepage, you'll find an Ask Sean section. Or easier than that, just head to the show notes and there's a link directly to the Ask Shauna. I like that. I like a, a system because I think people need a system. I A couple of things that kind of jumped out at me that I want to talk about. Um, what if you're somebody who you understand the buckets and the percentages that you just said, but maybe you're you're really tight, like paycheck to paycheck, things are tight and mm-hmm. maybe the, the, those numbers don't really work. Like how do you work a system when you're in a lot of debt or you're living paycheck to paycheck? Is there a way to make that work for you? Absolutely. So as you look at, and those were just high level percentages, those are absolutely not for everybody to live religiously by. They were an example of how if you make $50,000, you can begin to divide it up. Now, if I look at it and say, he doesn't know my situation, I have much more past debt. I have to prioritize that. I have credit card bills that are due. Well, then I have to prioritize and take away maybe from that present bucket, maybe even from the future bucket for items like credit card debt. And that is the understanding. Again, Cash management is something that you control. When you lay out a dollar and divide it into a 100 pennies, you are plinking which one goes into which bucket. If you have to put more into that past choices bucket, all you are doing is taking from the other buckets. And this Mm, realization came to me when I got to talk to a lot of people who actually work on the salary caps at Teams. And they always find it funny. Of course, I was the kind of nerdy guy who would go talk to the salary cap dude a lot. But uh, they would always say, you know, players walk in, free agents, and they think we have this big pot of gold behind our desk where it's just an endless amount of money. And really, all you look at is if I give you a dollar, that guy over there doesn't get that dollar. That's how the salary cap is divided up. Your paycheck is no different. If you are continuing to pay your present self, you're forgetting about your past choices, you're forgetting about your future, and you're forgetting about compassion. Um, and so that is a a a heart a hearty realization and a hearty prioritization of which bucket do you need to attack first, and you you pull from the others. Yeah, and. You you talked about something. I'm curious if you could relate it to yourself first, uh, the mindset piece, because I'm a big advocate of the mindset that you need to get the mind set straight and healthy and in the right place before you can use all the money tools, because otherwise the the money tools don't help you get where you need to go. If you don't have your mind focused in the right direction, you don't have your goals, you don't have your vision, like you, you really need to harness that. And I think we don't talk about that enough in the finance world. And I'm curious for you, when you were getting cut those 11 times from teams, how did you keep your mindset, quote unquote, in the game, focused on on what you were doing, on, on going to school, getting your CFP on? How did you, you keep your mind like in check? Well, it's funny. That's one of the main drivers I had to go get my CFP was because I kept getting cut so much that, you know, <laughs> it it gave me peace of mind to know I'm preparing for whatever comes next. Um, I actually had a heart to heart with, you know, my two brothers who are very highly educated. One has a master's from Berkeley, the other a law degree from Harvard, neither of which knew anything about money either, which was a different conversation. But as I was getting cut, I, I talked to them and they, they were very forward with me. You know, they said the real world is going to be there whenever, you know, you decide to stop trying to chase this dream. They encouraged me to continue to try. And my mindset where I began to have power, I would say, over the game was when I stopped looking at how many times I got cut as a negative. Today, I call myself a great failure because I don't see failure as a finality. I don't see failure as the end. It is just the beginning of something new. And I get feedback from failure every day. 
technology, how to podcast, any of these things I learned from. And so I was fortunate enough to walk into 12 different locker rooms and I stole from veterans in every one of those. I actually developed a series called Rookie to Veteran where I walked through 10 principles, not Jed's principles, principles of a 20-year kicker, of a 16-year quarterback, of a 12-year offensive lineman, of an 11-year safety. I watched these best in the world and how they operated and one of the one of the keys was and one of the principles is as you said their mindset was always focused on what I call their most they always valued their most over their now I've presented to Amazon one of Amazon's first things first principles is never sacrifice the long term for the short term that is a very common concept and it can translate to any facet of your life. For a football player, their entire calendar year is depicted upon the Super Bowl. You throw a dart on a calendar, whatever the month is, a professional athlete can tell you what they are going to do that day and the purpose of why they are going to go do that. And so that is how you begin to formulate a financial plan is you have to tell me the first question and chapter in the money vehicle book is, why do you care about money? Not why do I care? This is not Jed's money vehicle. This is your money vehicle. And I can give you some background and history around why you should be caring. But the setting of goals is absolutely everything. And it's not goal as a freedom. I want to walk away and have more money than I can ever imagine. It's what can I accomplish this week? What can I accomplish this month? What can I accomplish this year? And that to me was the basis around the the mindset of how I started to look at money and see money through this lens was checkers versus chess. Again, checkers and chess are played on the same board and I needed to start to look at it as I'm not just trying to get to the other side, like in the game of checkers, every piece to my team, every piece to my plan has a different strategy and a different resource and use. And I'm not getting to another side. I'm getting a checkmate. And it's up to me to define what that checkmate looks like, because you cannot achieve success until you define it. Wow. <laughs> that was so well said. Uh, <laughs> and I, I'm curious about goals, because we talk about goals a lot. And I think goals is kind of like one of these terms where people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I have some goals. Yeah. Uh, but the actual act of breaking down your goal and, and creating action steps day in, day out, that's where the magic is. That's mm. where change starts to happen. And you start to see like little bits of progress. So for someone who maybe who has maybe they have big goals, but they don't know how to break it down into little bits and then have their money come around those goals. Mm -hmm. What sort of tips could you give to somebody like that of, of of how they can begin to maybe shape those goals so they can actually start achieving them? So I I love this, and I am a big big believer in goal setting. You know, I, I, as you could tell. But so I have a little acronym I use called Rich Goals R I C H. First off, they have to be reachable. If you don't set reachable goals, you're going to get unmotivated and you're not going to continue to pursue them. Actually, in business, the leading indicator of uh, malpractice or of going against common behavior is setting unrealistic goals. It actually drives negative, even criminal activity. The second R-I, I as individual, these have to be my goals. They can't be my coach, my teacher, my parents, my friends, whatever. I have to set these goals. C is controllable. I am tired of people saying the market or some else other thing that they don't control is going to be what brings their goal to fruition. You have to set something that you can actually around your behaviors control. And H is for happy. If at the end of a long day, it doesn't put a smile on your face. When you think about your goals, you chose the wrong ones. So R-I-C-H. And what I challenge people to do is my one week goal is always to learn something. What can I learn this week? Where and how, what skill, what thing can I really try to sharpen my ax at? The one month goal is something I try to focus on that I'm going to stop doing. Whatever that is, whether it's uh, some way I'm spending my money, some way I'm spending my time, some way I'm saying something, some way I'm eating, 
what can I, a bad habit, it's going to take you a month to stop it. What can I focus on this month to stop? And then the third one is the fruition goal. What can I start today that will come to fruition in a year? And this is, you know, the beauty and you know this around compound interest, whatever magical thing you want to focus on, a dollar a day, $5 a day, $100 a month, $1,000 a month, whatever your goal is, look a year out and say, hey, I want to, I want to have $10,000 in a year. Now, all I have to do is reverse engineer and back into what I can do today and I will do every day to achieve that. Yeah, I think that's I mean, it's it's so great to have somebody give you like actual action steps uh, because those are things you can actually like really wrap your head around. And, you know, I have people who ask questions on this show all the time. You know, Sean, I've set all these money goals for years and years and years and nothing has really happened. I don't know what to do. And. So I think that so many people suffer from this idea of, yeah, I, I have goals, but I just I don't know how to bring them to life. And then we start thinking that 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 is just too hard, that maybe it's not going to happen to me. And, um, you know, that's just a not a great place to be in. I mean, you can really create. I tell people you can find money in your bank account no matter who mm -hmm. you are. You just mm -hmm. need to look for it. It's there. And so you can do the same for your goals like you can set a goal today that you can achieve by tomorrow. Maybe it's a smaller goal, but who cares? It's it's something yeah. you can check off and that you've made that sort of progress. So I, I'm kind of curious, obviously, we are in a time right now where the world looks a little different mm -hmm. <laughs> than it did even at the beginning of 2020. Yes, And there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of overwhelm. There's a lot of anxiety with people. And I, I feel like a lot of people are just sort of in that zombie mode, like we don't know what to do. The market's down, the market's up, uh, you know, people are getting sick, all sorts of things. Do you have any tips you can leave us with of, you know, how do we get through this time? Maybe a couple things we should do or think about in terms of our money. And then maybe a couple of things about how we can keep ourselves positive and focused on the future that we can, we can have all these variations of ourselves. We can live a, a, a rich life. Yes. One, in, and you're right. This is, you know, a, a very challenging time. Myself, I started a business January 1st, 2020, and that, that business was primarily public speaking. You can imagine, uh, <laughs> I don't have much business happening over the next six months. Um, and that's a humbling realization. And where I try to stay positive is again, my mindset is, okay, I hit a wall. I got knocked down. How do I grow? How do I continue? Continue, how do I pivot and keep headed in the direction? If the two choices are die or go forward, I inch forward. And that is a powerful, powerful concept I saw against, again, with the watching the best in the world, is they value inches. Each day, as you were mentioning, mm, is an inch yeah. of progress. Um, and that was the biggest change between college players and NFL players is how often they stand upon those inches is what separates them. Uh, so the mindset around staying positive is is going to be extremely challenging. There are millions of people that are losing their income, losing their jobs, where the, the positive spirit it comes is this is a moment in time that is uni unifying us. It is also humbling people to kind of some of the priorities or some of the nonsense that we were you know, trivial things that we are kind of letting consume our brains and really focusing on items that we need to partake in. Right now, more people in, in 50 years are sitting down at dinner tables together. More people are having conversations. More people are going out for walks. There is a silver lining to this. And as you see Mother Nature respond, whether it's the, the smog in L.A. or, you know, uh, I heard dolphins are back in Venice yes. waters like these are just maybe a, an awakening to us as, hey, we we have been prioritizing the wrong things. I also see a financial awakening coming from this because that age old statistic of half of America couldn't survive a four hundred dollar 
emergency came to fruition. And half of America is now banking and billions of dollars are going on credit cards, which most of those people don't understand is just digging them a deeper, deeper hole. Albeit, if that is what you must do right now, I understand that. So how do we move forward? Well, number one, we remove our emotions from investing. We realize that money goes up, money goes down. The market, you haven't lost a dime until you decide you have, and that's when you sell. You haven't made any money at the end of 2019 when the market was up 20 or 30% either until you decide to sell. So checking your emotions and being able to remove those, how do you do that? Well, having that investor mindset, having a bigger picture lens on how you're seeing this event really puts things in perspective. If you were not in the market and you are a young earner and young professional, congratulations, you just traveled five years back in time and have the opportunity to do it again. This There is no better time to be able to jump in and capitalize on what was not a systemic issue, but was an outlier that is humbling the the economy at large. And so do I say jump all back in? No. If that's emotionally unstable for you, you what is called dollar cost average, you set a certain amount of money each month or whatever sequence you want to go and get back into this market. Again, where an investor sees this dip in the market, they start to look at tax loss harvest and they see the opportunity to never pay capital gains again for the next five to 10 years based on the events in the market today. So there is always a way to look at it. If you are trying to move forward, now is a great time. One of the action items in the book is to open a Roth account. Roth accounts will protect you for when the market does stabilize and start to grow in the right direction. You will no longer have to pay capital gains or income tax on that growth. So getting money into a Roth account and getting the money into the market today is going to be a huge, huge advantage for you. But again, all of this is depicted upon the idea that you use money. And that's my my last little acronym that I love to share is use, U-S-E. You have to understand money. You have to understand how it works. You have to strategize your money, beginning with the end in mind, beginning with your goals. And then you start to find efficiencies like you just mentioned. If you look at your bank statements or your credit card statements, you can find efficiencies and ways to really utilize money better. Again, you no longer just work for money. Money begins to work for you. And this is the first time in history, the first generation in history that that it has ever been put solely on the individual to take care of their financial freedom. The system has changed. This event, this crisis has awoken us and probably fast forwarded us 10 years to the reality that we all have to sit down in the driver's seat and drive our own money vehicles. I love talking to Jed. <laughs> what a cool story and a reminder that you get to be many things in your career. Don't be afraid to use this time, especially right now, but really any time to just reinvent yourself. Just reinvent who you want to be, what you want to be about, how you want to deal with your money, how you want to think about the world, how you want to treat people, whatever that is. Use this time to reinvent yourself. You can pick up a copy of Jed's book, Your Money Vehicle, on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. And you can also head to his website, jedediahcollins.com for more info and to connect with him in depth. So again, on this podcast, we are changing the language around money to help everyone unlock the lives they want to live. Now that you're part of this movement, it's up to all of us to invite others into this journey. So share this episode with your football-loving friends, with your dad, with your brother, anybody that would love to hear Jed's story. Invite them in so we can all talk about money in a fun, fresh, and new way. Thanks for checking out this episode of Millennial Money. For all the BTS on today's episode, check out the show notes. Oh, and while you're at it, share this episode with a friend, share it with your coworkers, even share it with that cute barista who gets your name correct every time. Money mindfulness is something we could all use a little help with, so why keep all this knowledge to yourself? Remember, sharing is caring. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times. 
but your mind is on the future too and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value.